Welcome to the Soul Craft Your Life podcast. My name is Carmen Marshall, and I'm a life design and manifestation expert, a seven-figure entrepreneur, wellness educator, and a dance teacher. And I'm passionate about helping you create a magical and fulfilling life. Whether you want to discover your purpose, learn how to attract financial abundance, or create more health, balance, joy, and connection in your life, the Soul Craft Your Life podcast has got you covered. One part strategy and one part soul. Each week we explore both the practical and the spiritual with intriguing experts and fascinating human beings, all sharing their wisdom to help expand what we think is possible for our own lives. The goal, to help you create a life you love on your own terms that stems from your soul. Let's dive in and discover what this life has to offer each of us. Hello, gorgeous souls. Welcome to episode 17, which is all about manifesting your dream business with Leah Bosworth. I'm super excited about this interview because I've been wanting to bring you manifestation success stories, case studies of normal people that we can all relate to who have manifested their dream business, relationships, and or life. Why? Because one of the quickest ways to manifest is to see and hear examples of manifestation. It expands what we think is possible for ourselves into a knowing that we can do it too. So Leah Bosworth is our first case study, and I chose her not only because she manifested her dream yoga studio in record time after attending my Soulcraft Retreat in Bali, formerly known as Create a Life You Love Retreats, but also because of how she pivoted during COVID and then the manifestation that her business morphed into. So a little background. Leah is the founder and owner of Ironwood Yoga Studios and Ironwood Mills. She began studying yoga in 1997 while pursuing her acting career in New York City. In 2005, wanting to escape the harsh winters of New York, Leah followed her intuition and she moved to the warm, arid desert and open spaces of Phoenix, Arizona, where she decided to focus on her passion, teaching. Little did she know that she would become the owner of not only a yoga studio, but also a woodworking company with her life partner, Scott Mills. In less than five years, she built two six-figure companies simultaneously. At the beginning of the pandemic, she pivoted to live streaming classes and she filmed over 500 classes in four months. Ironwood Mills continued to stay super busy during the pandemic, so she turned her attention to growing the woodworking business. And now she's bridging the two entities with her new program, Yoga for Dirty Dummies, which is yoga for blue-collar workers, or anyone who feels like they wouldn't be caught dead in a yoga class. Leah's interview is such a fun story of her manifestation journey, and it's filled with so many easy, doable tips and strategies. You'll be able to replicate her mindset and her action steps to help you achieve your dreams. Let's dive in together. Leah, I'm so happy to have you here today. I've been wanting to have this conversation for a while. So before we get started into the juicy stuff, can you let our listeners know where you are in the world? Yes. And I'm so happy to be here too. I'm really just excited to hang out with you. <laughs> so I am in Phoenix, Arizona, and normally it's really sunny, but today it's raining. So it's kind of one of those like cozy rainy days with candles. And it's, I think, still maybe 75 degrees, but just a little cloudy and overcast. So it's kind of a welcome feeling in Phoenix because the sun's always out, which I do love, but it's just nice to have those days where you can kind of just get cozy and it's a perfect oh day for this. Yeah. <laughs> and 75 is a relief, like in the summer, it oh. can get to be a hundred, right? 
Yeah. And then some, it'll always be 110 at some point and usually to 115, but I've been here even at 120, which is just my, just just crazy. Mind. Like, can I even go outside? <laughs> you, you do, <laughs> you survive. <laughs> so we go back quite a ways, actually. We first met each other in our network marketing company years ago. And then you came to my first ever retreat in Bali, I think in 2014, Create a Life You Love. But one of the things I remember about you, and this is such the perfect lead into the podcast and why part of the reason why we're doing this interview, you took that information and all of a sudden you had a yoga studio. <laughs> and that was mm-hmm. what you had said you wanted to create. And you just went out there and did it. So which is just amazing. Mm-hmm. But let's go back to the beginning What inspired your love for yoga? And then, of course, you built a whole business around it and what you're doing now, which is absolutely incredible. But where did that love for yoga start? Mm, I think it started very young, just the love for movement. Like, I just love to move, and I was a dancer and a gymnast. And so I used (laughs) used to dance in my living room all the time. You know, I've just always moved my body. So I was living in Washington State, and I moved to New York City to go to an acting conservatory for it was a two-year program. There, it was very focused on movement and the body, and so we actually had to, to take yoga there. And I don't think I'd ever actually taken a yoga class at the time. So we started taking yoga, and I just remember being in Downward Facing Dog and thinking how much I didn't like it, and I was so surprised by that because I'd moved my body so much my whole life. So I was really curious about what was it about this particular movement that was so difficult for me or challenging for me. And so that's just sort of my nature. Like if something's hard, I want to figure out why. And so I just moved towards that. And we, you know, I had to do yoga for like two more years. (laughs) So so I kept doing it. And when I graduated from conservatory, I just continued to, to study yoga in New York City with several teachers there. And it was just always part of my life while I was while I was there in New York. And then I actually started teaching it before, like teaching was a thing or teacher training was a thing for another acting conservatory that was just across the street (laughs) from where we were. I actually started teaching when I was probably 15, which I think is funny. I was thinking about like when you think back in your childhood um, Mm. and you see the things that you were drawn to. Yeah. And then you're like, wait a minute, I actually was teaching. I started that at a really early age. So it just felt very natural to me, but I didn't really set out to be a teacher, but it did feel like a natural progression through my acting and through the the people that I met there in New York City and the, the teachers that I worked with. And so, yeah, it was sort of a natural progression from New York to, and then I moved to, to Phoenix after about 10 years in New York City. Mm. I think you really hit on a point. I think it's so important if we ever aren't sure about our purpose, just going back to our childhood and what were we natural at? What were we intrigued by? What did we love doing? Because there's so mm-hmm. many clues. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And I think about that a lot. And just there was other times where I was teaching. And like I said, I, w- I never set out to be a teacher, but it just, it's interesting when I think about acting and, and just where I'm at in my life now. And like, when I look back, like all of the things that I did now make sense <laughs> to me with what I'm doing now. But acting was a really key component of of being a teacher. And I think being a good good teacher, just having that experience in acting, it really led me to what I'm doing now. So that time in New York, what was the time period? Was that in the 80s or what was the- There in the 90s, in 95 to 2005, which yeah, was a really great time. I'm really happy that I was there at that time, particularly. Um, 
because it's before smartphones and it was still very old school. <laughs> yeah. And, yes. you know, so we actually had to like just meet each other on the corner. We couldn't like text each other as we were getting, you know, like, oh, hey, I'm on this corner. <laughs> you know, you have to actually like, figure stuff out. Like I went back to visit the other day and I was like, I had a subway map on my phone and I'm like, I never had a subway map on my phone. You just had to figure it out. You just like, get on the subway and figure it out. So I'm really happy to have been there at that time. It was just a, I think a really special moment in time there in New York City. So I'm really grateful yeah, for that. Yeah, I remember it was actually one of my goals to live in New York City before I went to Bali. And then once I was mm. in Bali, I was like, oh, I just want to live here. But that literally was something I always wanted to do is live for like six months in New York. So totally mm. get that. And also your, it's so funny. It's like we use Google Maps these days. So we don't even know, like without Google Maps, we don't know where we are. <laughs> it's <Yeah>. crazy. <laughs> it is. It's we need ridiculous. to force everyone to go back to maps just so like you can yeah. orient, orientate yourself. <laughs> I love maps. <laughs> I, I know, maps. me too. So during that period, so yoga was obviously much more accepted because I remember when yoga first started coming out, well, I mean, it's always, especially in the 60s and the 70s when it started gaining popularity, but there was that time in the 80s and 90s where it really wasn't mainstream. I remember people saying, it's never going to be mainstream. And obviously, look mm. at it now, it's so mainstream. Yeah. yeah. But during that time in New York, was it still a little bit like on the edge to use that in acting or was it accepted? And then also, my second part to that question, I know you got really into meditation as well. So mm. talk a little bit more about those two things in that time. Was it accepted? Were you doing something that was a little bit different? And then how did you pull in the meditation? Because I know that's a really strong part of what you still do even. Yeah. It's funny. Well, because I wasn't, I think being an actor, you're kind of always a little bit on the edge of out of mainstream. So I think it probably was, but I didn't really notice that much, if that makes sense. Because I just always did things that were a little off. <laughs> and I kind of at the time, I think my friends and I too prided ourselves a little bit on not being mainstream. So I didn't really think about it, honestly, at the time, because yoga wasn't a thing to think about. You know what I mean? Like I just had a teacher there that I absolutely loved and I just fell in love with her and I went to her classes and it just seemed like the perfect, <laughs> the perfect compliment to I also went to a boxing gym too. So it was kind of nice to, to have both of those things. I think I'm just used to being a little, like people thinking I'm a little weird or you know, yeah, like, centric, just doing a something. Yeah, a little on the edge. Yeah. yeah, so it doesn't really bother me. I didn't really notice it too much. And then meditation, I don't know. I was always really drawn to meditation and I was always trying different types of meditation, guided, you know, music and breath work. I just tried like many different types, but I wasn't really consistent about my meditation practice because I didn't understand what the end game was or what the goal was. And you know, it kind of sounds a little weird. So I, mean, I always just kind of thought, well, you just meditate because, you know, you're supposed to and it's good for you. And everybody, everyone kind of knows that. But I think later I learned from this other teacher that I studied with that there actually is a really specific purpose for meditation. And that is to decrease or eliminate stress completely. And once I kind of mm. understood that, then it really mm. solidified my devotion really to meditation, which is what I feel like it is now. Like I, I'm like my meditation teacher said, like, if you're not running to your meditation after this course or after, you know, learning this practice, then 
then I didn't do my job. And I really feel like that now. Like I practice every day, twice a day, and occasionally I'll miss it if I forget or it's like something weird's going on. But I love it so much. I never not want to do it. Sometimes in the moment, you don't necessarily like you can be in your head really easily, but it's like I understand that now. So I, it doesn't bother me to have a meditation that, you know, they all feel very different. Sometimes they might feel a little bit more thought filled. Sometimes they might feel a little deeper and it just doesn't really matter. I just learned that the what matters is that you do it. <laughs> and so it's just really, it's one of my favorite things in the world now. Yeah. I love what you said, the devotion to it. That's such a beautiful way to phrase it or reframe it. And I think it's so important what you said about meditation helps us decompress because we need that so much in the world today, you know, to get rid of anxiety, to get rid of stress, get it out of the body. And even in terms of manifestation, there's so much science on this now that the more relaxed you are, the better you manifest, the better you create Absolutely. what you want in your life. Yeah. Absolutely. So we should all yeah. be on the mat meditating or, well, not necessarily on the mat, on the mat to do yoga, meditating, wherever you want to meditate. <laughs> Yeah. And I really like to think of meditation and yoga. If you can reframe that to being something you're devoted to rather than something that you have to be disciplined about, just that mm. little mind shift, mindset shift can change it in an instant because it's not something, oh, I have to do this. It's like, oh, I love to do this. And then it's easy. <laughs> yeah. And I think to finding what works for you, like some people really like transcendental meditation or some people walking in nature and that's meditation for them or some people more like a breathing type of meditation. But I think if you can find what you really resonate with, it becomes much more easy to be devoted to that. You're not trying to slot mm -hmm. yourself into a meditation style that someone has said is good for you unless you really feel nourished by it. Yeah, really the important part is, is that you do it, whatever it is. Like that's what matters is that you're doing it consistently and that it's just, it's just a part of your life. And that's, you know, whatever, like you said, whatever meditation or yoga, any practice that you have, that's something that you're, you know, like I also write every day, like that's just part of my meditation practice, but it's just whatever it is that you can do every day and that you want to do it. Like you don't have to make yourself <laughs> do it. I think everyone can find that. You just may not have found it yet. And I think too, it's important not to put too many rules about things, but I think an easy way to think about it is, do I have a movement practice and do I mm -hmm. have a stillness practice? And those are two opposite things, but they help us so much like moving, whether it's dancing, yoga, walking, running. And then the stillness practice, that's the other seemingly totally opposite, but it does something else for the nervous system, something else for our connection. Yeah. So, so powerful. In fact, it's funny because one of my warm-up teachers at that acting conservatory, Mary Beth, she used to teach us our warm-up every day at 8 a.m. And she would always say, find the power in your stillness. She like, that just like that resonated with, like I've just had that in my mind since that was like 30 years ago. Just that little tidbit. And it really serves you as an actor. Like you think you have to do all this stuff and like move, but you don't. It's like really once you like, really slow down or and calm down and be still, that's really when your power comes through Yeah, much more easily. Yeah. So being in New York to then starting and building your own yoga studio, of course, in between there, you came to Bali. How did you do it? Break it down for us. <laughs> oh my gosh. Well, I went to the retreat and then I started the studio pretty shortly after that. 
And I guess what made me just think about like, once I make a decision, like it's once I get that clarity, there's just no stopping me. It's really for everything I do. It's always about decision-making and being clear about it. So I think it was, you know, honestly, I was like at a point in my life where when I moved out to Phoenix from New York, I didn't know anybody here. And just go back a little bit, just like the moving to New York and moving to Phoenix was really very intuitive. And it's when you were talking about when you wanted to live in New York when you were younger, I had that same feeling when I was 16. I remember I had no connection to New York, no connection to acting even. And I said, I'm going to move to New York and be an actor. And I have like no idea where that came from. And then Mm. 10 years later is when I actually moved and started studying acting. So strange. And then when I was in New York, I always had a vision of the desert in like my mind's eye. Just always thought about the desert. But I had no connection here. I didn't know anybody. And then I love New York City. And just like I just hit a point in my life. Nothing really dramatic happened. I was just like, I guess it's time to go. (laughs) I didn't know really where I was even going to go. And so I just think it's interesting. Like I just had this pull to the desert. I had a friend at the time in New York who was from Phoenix and Scottsdale. And so she sort of directed me here. But I think what's interesting is now in retrospect, like I met my partner here. We started this business together. And, you know, I didn't know any of that at the time. And everyone thought my friends thought I was crazy (laughs) for moving to Phoenix from New York. Like it's a, that's a really big leap very different and on so many different levels. But it's just like there was that intuition and this pull that I didn't know why. I just knew that it had to happen. But you followed it. The key thing is following those little hits. Yeah. Yeah. And so when I got here, I was, you know, I was acting for a while, but it just really wasn't resonating for me here like it was in New York. And I just realized that that had just sort of shifted for me. Well, it's funny as I started bartending when I first moved here because I didn't know anyone. I thought, oh, I know how to do that because I lived in New York because I was an actor. So, of course, I bartended (laughs) in New York. (laughs) Um, And so I thought, oh, I'll do that here for a while. So I'll get to know people. And actually, it was a great thing. Like, I have some of my greatest friends through that choice. But then I sort of like kind of got stuck in that a little bit. And I had met my partner, my now partner. And he and I were, you know, we were kind of getting older and we were like, what are we doing? Like, we just have this job. And there's nothing wrong with having a job, but just for us, we need more. Like he and I, I think together, we just had both had a lot of pent up creative energy within us. And when we came together, it just sort of all came out. Well, like when we work together, we would work really well together. So yeah, you ignite each other's creativity. Yeah, we create something. Yeah, really mm-hmm. unique. So he and I were both like, what are we going to do? <laughs> so And I was teaching yoga at the time. So I got certified to teach yoga here in Phoenix, even though I'd been practicing at that point for probably 10 or 15 years, but I wasn't certified. So I got my certification here and then I was teaching. And one of my students, one of my favorite students, she and her father owned a business out here. And one day she just said to me, my dad just bought this building and there's a perfect space for a yoga studio. So you should open a yoga studio. <laughs> I was like, you know, we had never talked about that. And, and when I lived in New York, I'd, I'd always wanted to own my own business. That had always been something that had been in the back of my mind. And so she just sort of planted that seed. And then I was like, okay. So at the time in my life, Scott and I were kind of thinking about what we wanted to do. And then I went to Bali. That's when I went to your retreat. 
everything that we do there to sort of get really clear on what we want to do. And so I wasn't sure how I was going to do it <laughs> because you need money, right, to start a business. What's funny how it all comes together, I was a hairstylist for a really long time. And in New York City, I ended up working on Broadway doing hair. I ended up doing hair and wigs for like five years on Broadway. And during that time, I had a pension that I was like, it was on, in a union. So I had this retirement money in this pension, but I forgot about it. Like I hadn't even thought, <laughs> I didn't even really think that it was available to me because you have to be vested for a certain amount of time in this union before you can have access to this money. And I just thought that I was under that cutoff. So I just didn't think that it was even, I didn't even think about it. So I was like trying to figure out how I was going to start the studio or you know what I was going to do. And Scott and I went down and looked at the building and the space was amazing. It was like 18 foot ceilings with skylights and but it's also like in a kind of a little questionable neighborhood. <laughs> you know, there was like bars on the windows and, you know, it was like an upcoming neighborhood. And so we fell in love with the space and I just told Scott, I was like, I don't know, we're just going to have to figure this out somehow. And so at the time, after the retreat, I went to Eugene, Oregon to meet a girlfriend of mine. And she introduced me to a friend of hers who had just opened a yoga studio and it was really small and she did it by herself and it's like a thousand square feet and she just kind of figured it out and so it was really like I had that idea and then I met this girl this woman and knowing that she had done that I just was like oh my gosh like I have to do this so we came home and then I was like okay where am I gonna like I made the decision I'm gonna do this I don't know where this money is gonna come from I'm like I'll put it on my credit card like I don't care <laughs> I was like what about that money? It's like, what about that mm. pension? And so I called them and I was like, can I get that money? And they were like, yeah, <laughs> totally. And it wasn't like a lot, but it was like enough to get started. But it, yeah. it always just like kind of blew me away. Cause I was like, I just knew that once I made that decision, like everything just fell into place. And like, Scott was like, he couldn't even believe that that, that happened. You know, he's like, where are you going to get that? And I'm like, I don't know, but it's going to happen. <laughs> and then from there, I think I've just, I was just really like everything sort of lined up. And I think, again, it was just that clarity, making that decision. So my girlfriend that initially talked to me about that space, she was working in that building with her father. And so he was my landlord and he's just like this really great guy. And he was very instrumental in, in helping me get started. And so I just had a lot of support, you know, just like once I made that choice, made that decision, everything just sort of lined up. Yeah, it's, you said so many incredible things for manifestation. I think the number one thing is getting clear with what you want and making that decision and then surrounding yourself with, whether it's books or going to a retreat like you did in this case, that helps you expand like what's possible. Because if you're reading a book on like manifestation or you're going to a retreat about that, you start thinking, this is possible. It starts getting in your DNA. Time for a quick commercial break. It's July and we're halfway through 2023. It's crazy, eh? But with six months left, now is the ideal time to refocus and recommit to your 2023 dreams and goals. My Create Your Dream Year five-day course in just one and a half hours per day will help you reach your goals this year. Not next year, not in five years, but this year. Why? Because Create Your Dream Year is not your normal goal-setting course. It's a goal-manifesting course. It turns traditional goal setting on its head. 
It's the antidote to why most people don't achieve their goals and they actually stop dreaming. It combines the practical with the spiritual. It gets your subconscious fully on board. It clears limiting beliefs quickly without years of work. And it gives you my personal process, a framework that you can return to every year with me. I hold this course as a live virtual event once a year, but don't worry if you missed it because I've created an on-demand version complete with all the bells and whistles. With the same lifetime access to all my yearly live Create Your Dream Year virtual events at no extra cost. And my five-day summer Create Your Dream Year on-demand sale is now open. So you can go through the program completely on your own pace and on your own schedule at this crucial halfway point in the year. But it's only available until Sunday, July 16th at midnight ET time. It's just a five-day sale, so hurry, because then it's not available until January 2024. So if you're ready to learn the best ways to set goals and manifest your most important dreams this year, and you want to get the exact system that I've used over and over to manifest my dream homes, my dream businesses, and my dream life into existence, then go to carmenmarshall.com forward slash create dash 2023 dash on dash demand. I'll put the link in the show notes as well to register and get started today. I can't wait to share my process with you and help you make reaching your goals inevitable in 2023. All right, let's get back to the podcast. And then I think the other thing that's so important is you found someone who had done it and that becomes the way shower that you're like, I can do this. And there's that click. As soon as we're like, they're doing it, I can do this. You'll do it because it's like, it's that little shift inside of you. So yeah, so powerful. Yeah. Mm -hmm. 100%. She was like even younger than me, I think, but I, we became really good friends and I really reached out for a lot of help. Like I talked to her a lot and she really, she was just like a year or so ahead of me. She had just opened her studio, but so I'd ask her questions and we just talked consistently and she really helped me figure it out. And then I also went and talked to a lot of other yoga studio owners and just got their perspective and sort of what their experience was. And and I will never, (laughs) never forget one of the studio owners that I talked to in that was local here She said, people think owning a yoga studio is cute, but it's not. (laughs) (laughs) That's such good advice. That's such, yes. (laughs) Yeah. So I think that with all the experience I had behind me and I was not really young, like I was, how old I was in my 40s, like early 40s. I really went into it with my eyes wide open in terms of like, I knew I didn't know how to do any of this, but I knew that I could do it. Like I would figure it out and I knew it was going to be hard, but you know, not to set my mind up that it's going to be hard, but just to not underestimate things, like to never take it for granted. I guess that was what, you know, never Mm -hmm. take it for granted that it was going to be a success. And I think that's a really good mindset when you're building a business. I think what your friend or the lady said, people think that having a yoga studio is cute. It's not that we don't fully believe that this is going to happen, it's going to be successful, but it's also Mm -hmm. the awareness that this isn't just a little side hustle. It's a real business that you have to put the time and effort and love into. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Real deal. (laughs) So you created this amazing yoga studio. And of course, it's in the same space as your partner business that you co-founded. 
I won't tell the story. Tell the story about the other business that you co-founded at the same time with your yeah. partner. It's so wild. <laughs> I call him my domestic man partner. His name's Scott Mills. And um, <laughs> so even though he was a little more skeptical than I was, he's not a business person at all. He's been in construction his whole life, but he's a very unique person and has a un very unique set of skills. So once he saw the space, he got really excited about it too. Although he was a little skeptical, he didn't know how it was going to happen because he's just not a, a business person. But what he does do is build stuff. Like he's really good at building stuff. So we had this like incredible warehouse space, like I said, with 18 foot ceilings and skylights. And he just built my studio. And <laughs> he's like, he's just one of those people that has like, I think one of his superpowers is just like finding treasures. So he's just over the years and the work that he'd done in remodeling like high-end homes or whatever. He just had stuff. Like he just had materials and library ladders. Like we have a library ladder in my yoga studio to get the props. You know, it's just a very fun little detail. These windows that had bars on them are like have views of the mountains. So it's really beautiful. He framed them out in steel. And so it's just a really beautiful. So it's all like wood and steel. And it's like brick walls, but it's all white. So it kind of feels like um, an art gallery. We're really drawn to artists and creative people. So we wanted to create this community. And so there was a shop in the back. This is like a 10,000 square foot building, but my space is about 1,700 square feet. And behind the building was a shop and a guy was back there working. And so after we built the studio, Scott, and he didn't have a job at the time because we both sort of quit our jobs and he started building furniture for the studio. So he thought, well, I guess I'll just start building furniture. And so this guy was in the shop in the back. So they just kind of started working together. And then Scott quickly realized that material was really expensive and hard. He's like, I don't know how I'm going to source this material. And that's where another one of his superpowers kind of came into play where he just is like finds treasures. So he found a field full of logs in the desert that was just going to go into the landfill and secured these logs. He talked to the owner and got these logs. <laughs> And then he was like, well, I need to mill them now. So he and this guy, they like put a sawmill on their credit card and they just like bought this like massive sawmill from Australia. It's like the biggest one in Phoenix, actually. So they just started milling all this wood. <laughs> and then it just kind of went from there. He just, we realized that there was, started to learn that there's all of this exotic hardwood that was planted in the desert that you wouldn't even expect like, oh, I'm going to start a woodworking business in the desert. But there's just like, so much material out there and it's just going into the landfill and so what he started doing was like meeting arborists that are taking trees down big companies are developing properties so they're taking these trees down so instead of the arborist having to like cut it up and then drive it to the dump and then get rid of it or put it in the landfill which they have to pay for then scott will just pull up on his trailer and they'll put the log on his trailer <laughs> and he drives away and puts it in our where we store the logs so now over I guess six years, he sort of probably accumulated at least a thousand logs at this point just by himself, <laughs> just like just continued to accumulate this material. And then over time, so I started building the yoga studio and he started building his woodworking business, started building furniture. It was like him and one other guy. And, and then I quickly realized that because he didn't have any business experience or was even thinking about it, I was like, uh, <laughs> he kind of like need some things for your business. So I just, even though I was building the studio, I was like, oh, you need a website. Oh, you need 
accounting, you know, like all of the things. And so I sort of was doing it to the best of my ability. And they were just a little bit, I don't know, somehow it just kind of worked out, but it was, there wasn't anybody really running the business. It was just me trying to keep things organized as best as I could. Um, and then we also brought an artist in to work in the warehouse space. And that's where the art came in. And the three of us, too, so he works in the warehouse. He's a painter, a visual artist, and he's been around for 20 or 30 years. He has, does a lot of public artwork, and he's really connected in the art community. So we would use the studio to host art events or art showings, or we would just use the whole space to throw parties and events and our big anniversary parties. And so we just started creating this community of people, a lot of diversity, just with, with our artists people and yoga and woodworking. And so it's a very diverse crowd of people. So that's been a lot of fun. So we just built this really cool community over about five years until everything changed. <laughs> and then, you know, and we kind of shifted. And that brings us to the next huge thing in your career of this. So what happened when COVID hit and what did you mm -hmm. do? Just yeah. fascinating. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So Scott and I were, you know, in... I guess, March, February, March, we started talking about it. And we were like, what's going on? You know, maybe we need to get ahead of this and maybe shut the studio down. And, you know, it was just nobody could imagine that it was going to go on for so long. And we really, I think, was like on a Friday, we were talking about it and I didn't know what I was going to do. And then I think it was Monday that I was like, just everything happened so fast. And I was like writing a note on my door. <laughs> like We were closing the studio, but just for two weeks, like that was everyone's sort of plan or just two weeks. And I had just hired a studio manager like three weeks before COVID, before we shut the studio down. Thankfully, I don't think I would have been able to do it without her. And I think that that's also a really important point is doing these things requires help. <laughs> and I, I'm an only child and I am really used to doing things on my own. I mean, I don't even really think about it. And I think like when I hired this person, I'd ha I had had a little bit of help in the past, but it wasn't to this degree. And it was like revolutionary to me. I was like, oh, <laughs> it's like, this is the key to happiness is like having somebody help you. And I think that that has been like one of the greatest things I've learned is just how vital that is to have that help and not to try to do it on your own. I so agree. I remember around 2008, I had just done a presentation and I was so maxed out. And I remember sitting in my shower crying. I was like, I just can't <laughs> do this anymore. Like there was just, yeah. my business was just exploding. And I remember I was like, I have to get help. And so what I did is I just figured out in my business, how can I fund hiring somebody? And then I was married to my first husband. I only have had two husbands. <laughs> so sorry, I went to my first husband, but I went to my first husband. I was like, I have to hire someone. And, and I was like, here's how I'm going to pay for it. And that mm -hmm. saved me. And, you know, ever since then, I've always been such a big believer. And now it's so much easier because we can use different sites to find people, Upwork. But so important. And I'm so glad you mentioned that for anybody listening that's like an oldest child or a single child. It's in yeah. our DNA to do everything ourselves and we need help. Yeah, it was so, yeah. so well said. <laughs> yeah, and I think, you know, and I heard that. I got her message, but I think, you know, you never feel like you're ready or you're like, I can't afford it yet, but it's like, it just changes everything. And like, all of a sudden you can't not afford it. You can't not <laughs> you know afford I mean? it. Yes. <laughs> yeah, so like everyone, we shut the studio down. So at that point, my studio was, you know, it wasn't a huge studio, but I think we had 
you know, 25 classes a week. And I think I had 17 teachers at that time, maybe like 12 to 17, just depending on subs or I can't remember exactly. I feel like we shut down Monday and I think we started filming classes like on Wednesday. Like we just were like, oh, okay. I don't know. Like I just, that's one thing about like, I don't take things for granted, but I just also give, like it never occurred to me to like, shut down completely do you know like it just keep going and do something different so I don't (laughs) I really like don't know what I would have done without this person because she was really tech savvy and we just kept on pushing through like different iterations of like using our iPad and then someone else's iPad and our phones and Amiibo camera and you know zoom all the stuff that everybody was doing (laughs) and different mics So it was a lot of like trial. It was a lot of trial and error. And I think that I had built such a connection with our community that I just could not do this for them. Like I just wanted to, it was just a way for me to stay connected to them and to keep supporting them. Cause that's really like, ultimately that's what I love to do is to teach and support people. That's like my ultimate purpose. And so it just looked different. And I think having a diverse background, I think that helped me just go, okay, this is what we're doing now. And I was really lucky because I worked really hard at creating a studio that was great for my community and students, but also for my teachers. Like it was really important to me that I really good care of my teachers. And then they in turn took really good care of me and not all of them, because some of them didn't want to leave their house, which I totally understood. Like nobody knew what was going on. But I think there was like seven or 10 of us that they just showed up every day And we filmed like 500 classes from March until August. (laughs) And it was just like incredible. So we did that. And then at that point, our other business, Ironwood Mills, the woodworking business was, did not slow down. COVID just did not stop that business at all because everyone was home and they wanted furniture. (laughs) They wanted dining table, you know, like all of a sudden they just had time to like make stuff. So that was still happening And then my business was changing and it became like, it was just like all became too much at one point. Like it was just sort of like overflowing. And so at that time I decided I have enough content here that I can move that content online and continue to build on that. And so that's kind of what I did. I shut down the live streaming classes, which we had done all live streaming classes. And so I shut that down and I started to build the online studio and sort of move that content over there. And then as I did that, I shifted my focus to Ironwood Mills. And just then I really had to just put not all of my energy, but the majority of my energy into that business so that it it didn't fall off a cliff (laughs) because there was just like, there was so much going on. And it was an interesting decision. It was a decision I had to make. Am I going to continue with this path that I had started or, you know, I was always a little bit in straddling both of these businesses because they were very integrated. But of course, yoga was what I was passionate, you know, it's just what I started out doing. (laughs) I'm not a woodworker. So I hadn't really, you know, hadn't occurred to me like that I would be running a woodworking business just became like, it's our business now. And so it Mm. just was what was required at the time. Like I just had to, to shift my focus because we were growing so quickly and we needed to navigate that. So, so it was like a kind of a slow integration. 
But I think it's so important to recognize that because sometimes we have to make these hard decisions. And I remember we had started two businesses at the same time. So Sacred Lotus Love, which is our online gift company, and Peter manages that. And then I also started at the same time um, Solco, which was my nutrition bar, as in a physical right. bar you eat, not a bar on the street. Yes. <laughs> People are always like, you started a bar? I'm like, no, 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 nutrition bar. Totally. <laughs> but there came a point where I had to decide, okay, I've produced the bar, but I'm actually going to close Solco because we couldn't, it was too hard having two new businesses. And it's a hard decision, but what I find interesting is even when we make these decisions, things always come back around. So in your case, you pivoted when you needed to and you got everything online, you know, took care of your teachers, took care of your students. You've got this beautiful online business. You put your focus into the woodworking business, but now you're doing yoga in the woodworking business. So can you share about this? Because I think this is amazing. Yeah, this is so fun. And this is actually, again, this is sort of a collaborative effort with Scott and I, my partner. We just sort of started it together and it's called Yoga for Dirty Dummies. So now so we, <laughs> dirty dummies being woodworkers or any blue collar workers, people that are literally dirty, they're actually not dumb. They're actually very smart, but Scott is a very big proponent of yoga and a big advocate of yoga, but he wouldn't consider himself a yogi in any way. Like he would never go to a yoga class, but he loves yoga. (laughs) So I started teaching him yoga, would do private yoga sessions with him. And then he started calling it yoga. Like you should start teaching the guys like yoga for dummies, you know, just like, cause he just started feeling the benefits of it. And he, he was kind of like, because he's always he's been a very athletic person, but he's had a lot of injuries and issues from the sports that he's done. And so what he's found is like when he'll try to do something, he'll kind of get derailed because an issue will kind of pop up. Um, so then he can't do it; he'll have to stop. And so with yoga, he's recognizes, oh, you have an issue with your shoulder. Okay, we're gonna work on your legs, or we're gonna, you know, we can just sort of one of the many things I love about yoga is that it really you can tailor it to the need of the time and what you need specifically then. So he started realizing that, oh, like I can do this even if I'm dealing with an injury or just something else is going on. So he really started to to understand the power of it and the value of yoga. He was like, you know, these guys, like they're in such pain, like people that work with their hands and these craftsmen are really hard on their bodies. You know, they usually are pretty hard living. They don't really think about <laughs> their breath don't or care what's or... <laughs> going on. They just don't care. They literally don't think about it. So Scott started planting that seed with everyone. And then we actually started it right before COVID. We started Yoga for Dirty Dummies on Fridays. And we started moving the woodworkers over like because it's literally right next door. <laughs> so they would get done with work and they would come over to the yoga studio and then they would literally be covered in sawdust and dirt and whatever. And what's what I love about my yoga studio is that it's very, it's beautiful and elegant, but it's very hearty too. Like it's not mm. like, I don't, not worried about messing it up. Yeah, it's not prissy. It's not prissy <laughs> at all or pristine. <laughs> or, yeah. And it's just what I, I love that. So they started coming over and then we kind of had to put that on hold a little bit, which is interesting because I think now that I'm thinking about it because we started it and we only did it for a few months and then COVID happened, everything changed. And then that kept percolating that yoga for dirty Mm. dummies. And so 
you know, Scott kept talking about it. And I'm like, yeah, I'm like, I just need to get a couple things done, done and then I'll, you know, then we'll start again. Um, so when I kind of got things under control a little bit, the woodworking, we started bringing Yoga for Dirty Dummies back. So we're doing it in person with them every week. And I thought, I want to start filming this with them. So they're actually in the videos. Like I'm doing one-on-one sessions with them and filming them. Not that this is a bad thing, but it's not just another yoga teacher and, you know, that somebody can't, that a dirty dummy can't relate to. And they're like, oh, that's like me. And so they can see that person in the video. And so I'm just like lucky enough that my guys are so <laughs> willing to, to help me in like in these videos. And, and then I'm starting to film our classes and we're going to start a YouTube channel and get that kind of going. Cause that's, I think where, you know, dudes might live is more like on YouTube than so I think that's a, maybe a good channel for them. And yeah, and they love it now. Tell us more about like the changes for them. Mm, mm-hmm. Well, I think one of the things I always thought was interesting is we had this new, a new guy that started with us. I think we were just starting Yoga for Dirty Dummies and he had just started working for us. And I asked him, like I, I talk to people about yoga all the time and, and I say, do you think about, like a lot of people I think they think about yoga, but they don't do it. Or, you know, or people think, oh, I should do that. Or everyone kind of knows about it now. And so I talked to Jacob about this. I said, do you, have you ever thought about doing yoga? And he was like, no, like I've not one time, like it's never even entered my consciousness. And I was like, well, would you be willing to do yoga for dirty dummies? And he's like, sure, whatever, you know. And now he's like my like number one yoga student. Like he is there. They rarely, sometimes people miss, but he's just like, Every week now, he's like, are we doing yoga today? <laughs> or like, can we do it more? <laughs> can, we do, uh-huh. can we add another day? <laughs> I think for them, they're just, I keep it, I really keep it very physical, keep it focused on the body. Yoga for Dirty Dummies is very different than in any other, like a yoga class. Like it's not like a yoga class that you're going to go into. You know, I really want them to feel hundred percent comfortable and like that they can just be themselves. They can talk, they can make, they can crack jokes. You know what I mean? Like they don't have to be a certain way or like yeah, be yeah. yogic, you know, or be quiet yes. or, you know, it's just like none of that. Like, it's just like, come as you are. Like they're literally, they smell sometimes they're like dirty and they're just like inappropriate. And I love every minute of it. <laughs> so, <laughs> it's just really fun for me. And so I feel like they don't talk about it a lot, but they do say little things like, oh my God, my back feels so much better, or I feel so much taller, or I just feel better today. And even like the artist, our artist there, Fausto Fernandez, he's the artist in residence. He was like against yoga. Like he didn't want anything to do with it. And he only started coming because we were all hanging out together. Like he just wanted to be a part of it. But now he's like there every single week. Like he never misses. <laughs> and the other day he said to me, like, he's like, oh my God. He's like, my back feels so much better today. Like, I can't believe like how good I feel. So that's just been really interesting to just to see them, I think, energetically shifting and this, their perspective opening. And they're really just excited about it. Like they really appreciate it and they look forward to it. And so I'm I'm excited to you know, just to go deeper with them. I really take my time with them in terms of, you know, what I I keep it really simple and really physical. And it's interesting too, because they're, 
surprisingly, I actually do a lot of yin and restorative yoga with them because they are so broken. I do a mix of a lot of different things, a lot of different styles. So I, I focus on their core a lot. And then I also focus on this more, the slower, deeper stretching. And that, they, they love that a lot more than when I like make them work hard. They're like, oh, could we just do the stretching yoga? And who would have thought when you were acting in New York that this is where you would be today? You know, you think that whole trajectory is just, and you just love what you do. When, when you think of soul crafting your life, and if someone who is listening to this, what would you say to them to be able to soul craft their life? Like, what were your biggest lessons, do you think? I know one of them, like from an outsider, I think you've always followed that thread of curiosity, like, ooh, that's interesting. And ooh, that's different. And let me figure it out. But for you, what would you pass on to other people to really soul craft their life, what you've learned? Mm -hmm. I think that, I mean, what you said, that curiosity, but, and then also like really following your intuition, which I think is a little different than curiosity. You're curious about your intuition and really just listening to that. And especially if it's something that seems really crazy or really far removed from what you're doing now. That's what's really interesting is that like for me to move from New York City to Arizona was so seemingly random, not connected to anything, but it was very strong in me for whatever reason. And so just really trusting that intuition, I think, is really a key component. And also recognizing when things do line up. I really noticed that a lot about Ironwood in general, like just... I made that decision and things, it wasn't easy building businesses, but it was easy in a lot of ways. I really felt like the stars aligned once I had that clarity. Making a decision is the most important thing for me. So anytime I'm like waffling or I'm unsure, it's just because I don't want to make that decision. <laughs> you know, like you always know what to do, but and then it's just, because I think because when you know what to do, then you're going to have to do the work. Maybe that's what's holding you back. But I think that's always for everything I do. It's just making that decision and then paying attention to what happens once you do that. I think that's such good advice because when we pay attention to what's working, we can always go back to that and say, okay, this is what worked. This is my manifestation style. This is like how I manifest. And also just to celebrate your wins as well. But I think it's really important to look, how are things working in our life, so my life, so I can keep repeating that. And I think also what we mentioned earlier is if you're like trying to make a decision or figure out what you want to do next, looking back into your past childhood and thinking about what was natural, what felt really good, what was really easy. Because sometimes we just forget about that or we think, oh, that mm. was just back then. But I don't think so. I think it's always pointing us in the right direction of yeah. what we're supposed to be doing. And like you said, we always know, and it's sometimes mm -hmm. we don't want to have to do it, but we always know. <laughs> yeah. uh, Leo, there's so many things I wanted to discuss with you. Women in business, women being in a more a male industry, prioritizing mm. your health. So we're going to have to bring you back. <laughs> Too many juicy to things. I know. Yeah. But where can people find you? So in terms, whether they want to do your online yoga classes, whether they're interested mm -hmm. in yoga for dummies, whether they want mm -hmm. to do your beautiful woodworking business, tell us where we can find you. So ironwoodyogastudios.com is my yoga online website. 
And I'm just getting ready to launch Yoga for Dirty Dummies program. So I'm going to do a series of classes that'll be like, it's going to be a beginner series, but it's going to have my Dirty Dummies in it. And so that'll be coming out pretty soon. And that will be on my website as well. So the online yoga is a monthly membership. It's a pay what you can membership. So you can pay $5 or whatever you want and then have as many watch or take as not watch, (laughs) take as many classes as you would like. And then our woodworking is ironwoodmills.com. So you can see all of the beautiful furniture that these guys have made and hear the story about, you know, where this material comes from and the art of craftsmanship and all of that, which I think is really cool. Like yoga and craftsmanship really surprisingly kind of go together. And really, it's really about the art of slowing down and listening and being patient and all that stuff. So It's just kind of funny how those things really, that doesn't occur to you that they're going to really have a connection, but those two things really surprisingly line up. Like we never thought, oh, let's start a yoga woodworking business. Like that was never, (laughs) but somehow it just really um, resonates with people. Yes. For everyone listening, just go to the website to see the studio and, and the woodworking because it does make sense because when we go to yoga studios, we want to, we walk in wanting that feeling of just like, oh, I feel so good being here. And when you see the pictures of your students, just like, oh, this feels so good. So yeah, yeah. It, makes, it relaxes the nervous system. Leah, it's just been so good to have you. Thank you. Thank you. And everything that you mentioned, I'll put in the show notes so people can easily find it. I just wanted to say thank you so much for having me. And this has just been like, uh, I mean, I just love spending time with you. And I am truly, truly honored to be here with you and just be a part of what you're doing. It's just, I love it. <laughs> oh, you're so welcome. I so enjoy this. All right. Bye, Leah. Bye, everybody. And we will see you next week. Thank you so much for listening. And if you enjoyed this episode, I'd absolutely love if you left a review on iTunes. It really helps me to get the podcast out there to support more people just like you to create soulful lives. And as a thank you, I'd love to send you my 20 personal affirmations for manifesting an aligned, magical and fulfilling life. To access this freebie, simply send a screenshot of your review to soulcraft at carmenmarshall.com and I'll send you my favorite affirmations and mantras straight to your inbox. All my love and I'll see you on the next episode.